Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Proactive Caregiving Podcast. As a CPA with over 20 years as an industry accountant, Jessica stepped away from the corporate world to become a full-time caregiver for her mother. Having learned invaluable lessons along the way, she is now here to share those with you and to invite you to join her on this caregiver's journey. Here is your host, Jessica Cannon. Hello, everybody. I'm glad you're here with me today. I am the proactive caregiver, and I specialize in educating others on how to be proactive by empowering you, the caregiver. Because if you cannot take care of yourself, then you cannot take care of your loved one. So today I wanted to talk to everybody about caregiver procrastination. (laughs) You might be familiar with this, or you might be cringing already at the sound of that word. But When some hear that word procrastination, you might get the idea of that means you're unsuccessful. But when you step into the heart and the mind of a caregiver, procrastination is oftentimes the first sign of overwhelm. Sometimes it results from having negative thoughts or at that point in time, maybe a lack of knowledge of how to do something. But it also may just be based in fear. We have this wonderful gift of time, but we can take that gift of time for granted and not even realize it. Because oftentimes a caregiver falls into this must do or have to or I should have kind of statements. And that's usually another one of those indicators that if you're procrastinating, there is a negative thought that's driving that. But being able to acknowledge the difference between knowing how to do something versus not wanting to do something, that's a little bit of a start. So when you think about it, procrastination can simply be our subconscious minds harboring those inner parts that says, I'm not ready to do something, or I'm not willing to be in this present moment because I don't wanna face emotional challenges. I found this out myself when I stepped into mom's demented world because I found myself saying more often, I don't have time for this. But whatever this was back then, I can now say that my heart was really saying, this hurts, 
and I don't know how to cope with this. So I asked my next guest to come on, who is an occupational therapist and the founder of Finding a Foothold. I wanted her to join me because I wanted, based on her experience, to help me hash out this concept of caregiver procrastination. Consuela Marshall, she resides in Louisiana and she's a graduate of Louisiana State University Medical Center under the School of Allied Health in New Orleans. Consuela has been an occupational therapist for 27 years. She's mainly been under inpatient rehab, skilled nursing, and now predominantly in home health care. Thanks to her years of experience and training, Consuela now develops plans of care to aid in the rehabilitation for those who might have experienced uh, physical losses due to injury, illness, surgery, or other various diagnoses. Much of this experience was also gained at first-hand knowledge after taking care of her mother who suffered several strokes and an aunt who lived with Alzheimer's. Because of this experience, Consuela can relate to both the caregiver duties at hand and the emotional side of it. She will be the first to admit that she wasn't prepared during school for this real life caregiver task that takes on that individual emotional stressors. But she wants to be able to create solid foundations so that through her finding a foothold, coaching and consulting services, she will be able to teach caregivers and caregiver organizations how to widen their scope of setting boundaries or vital self-care approaches and creating successful caregiver plans that helps to not only develop a positive caregiver environment, but also stop that caregiver procrastination. So with that, I want to welcome on Consuela. Thanks for coming on with me today. Oh, you're very welcomed. I am so honored to be here. Good. Thank you. So yeah. what, let's go ahead and start with your time with your firsthand experience as you cared for your mom. Was that time with your mom and your aunt the same happening at the same time or was it like one after the other? Oh, that experience was simultaneous. Oh gosh, you had your yes. hands full. Oh yes, yes. And two teenage boys at the time. <laughs> and so things were a lot of happenings going on at that time. So yes, my hands were quite full at that time. Well, look, I'm gonna back up a little bit cause I don't know if I've shared uh, as well that my caregiving journey started before college and it sort of steered my journey into the the profession of occupational therapist when I, I had a daughter with a, a birth defect and, mm -hmm. and in the process of suddenly wanting to be this young mother with all of these bright futures and things that were going to happen. And it was sort of sidelined with the, the reality that I'm, I'm now a, a, a caregiver. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't know it at the time. I'm just a mom with a daughter who has right. things going on, but it did. Uh, steer me in the direction of occupational therapy by introducing me to that field. So that was my, so I will, I like to always say I was a caregiver before mm -hmm. I was an occupational therapist. Right. And those two skills together are very wonderful skills to have. 
But even with those two, they did not prepare me for being the primary caregiver for my mom yeah. and for uh, what, what I lovingly call an aunt uh, who had um, Alzheimer's. And caring for them, off, uh, it, it really came simultaneously. And I was, also, uh, I was preparing for that. And that was a sort of a different field than a young mom and like, wow, what is this? What, you know, and totally lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but caring for uh, first my aunt. And then in thinking about that and the Alzheimer's and dementia and really uh, setting up my house to accommodate her mm-hmm. and changing my lifestyles and patterns to make sure someone was always home and right. you know be with her, that became a challenge. But being a home health therapist, that was one of the luxuries of the field that I work in. I get to choose my hours per se, where I can schedule patients around different blocks of time. Mm-hmm. Getting introduced with the care of uh, my aunt with the Alzheimer's was definitely an eye-opening experience but it made me more aware that I need to do something because I'm seeing things happening in my mom mm, and right. I need to start preparing for her as well. Exactly. So it launched a whole new thing in my life. And, but I did end up simultaneously caring for them both. And it took a lot of planning and a lot of creativity, but it was definitely um, the beginning of, what I say was the true caregiving experience with me because on this side of it, I, I wasn't prepared for the emotional side of caring for my mom. Mm-hmm. It was quite different than what I thought. I pictured it to be, oh, I finally get to take care of mom and we'll mm-hmm. do all these good things together. And it just really didn't pan out that way because in my particular situation, where I was capable physically as a therapist and had the space in my home that I had allotted for her. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted this to be her place where she could live out the rest of her days and really be in a place where she could function and have her needs met. But I didn't anticipate that she didn't want to come to live with me. Right. So that was an emotional part for me was living through that part of the rejection of wanting to be the caregiver, but yeah. she didn't want it to come from me. Uh, so when you say the emotional parts of caregiving, yes, they can come and surface uh, out of the blue. You know, that, that part can really sideline side you, you know, because exactly. emotionally, it can almost take you out of the picture of, being there in the moment because you're now dealing with all of these things in your head um, right. that are coming to surface because of the emotional and attachment. That's, that's one of the areas that I struggled so hard with in the beginning because I couldn't wait at one. I, I find myself thinking it's hilarious now that I think about it. I couldn't wait to take care of my mom. Mm-hmm. I had yeah. one afternoon where I was able to take her to the doctor's office. And then afterwards we had this great lunch and great conversation. And I thought, oh, this is going to be wonderful. I have so much time with her. But stepping in, it was not like that. And that emotional side, it is something that caregivers need this warning label because yeah. it's not just the moment you're in. It's all the past childhood moments that you mm-hmm. were frustrated with or unresolved issues that come back and it's just you're it's like you're fighting or arguing or um, trying to avoid each other for 
those old arguments that are still kind of the elephant in the room now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. So as you continue to care for both of them, you automatically, and you mentioned it was different with your mom than it was with your aunt. And so I can only imagine it's even more different as an occupational therapist when you're with a client that there isn't this family tie with them. So what do you think it is? How, how do caregivers kind of face this where you have your family ver- member versus a stranger maybe that they're caring for? How do we, we learn to relate with our loved one in that way when that emotional side kind of sets in? I don't think there's, you know, that emotional component is there. It's some, not something you can detach away from. It, it, it just becomes how do you emotionally settle yourself and not be driven by those past emotions, but finding ways to work through those things and finding what are trigger areas and finding that way to not let that emotional component dictate how the caregiving is to be provided. And now when I'm going into a home where I'm, I'm the caregiver on the premises, right. I mean, I see that same scenario going, you know, taking place. And when you, when I'm watching it, I, I can I can really sympathize on both ends what's happening mm-hmm. because you know, number one, I've been there. And right. number two, I can see where the struggle comes in the control of the moment, in the, in the control of the situation, meaning one side wants to be able to say how something needs to be mm-hmm. without taking in consideration that these this is two lives that need to merge together. And it's sometimes very difficult to do that when that emotional component is there. Right. And so when I'm on the premises as that one who's not in the situation, um, I can help individually have the each party's the caregiver and the care And I, look, when I'm talking, I'm talking about ones with physical disabilities, not someone with the, the dementia part, really right. getting them to see through my eyes. Mm-hmm what the situation is and what the true problem is and separating it from something that happened in the past as when you're saying daughter needs you to do this this way it's not based on a past experience it's the reality of this is your physical state now and this is the way that this particular task needs to be performed in order to protect you and her and then I have to flip the coin sometime and go to the caregiver and say, mom's not being difficult because of this. Now, let me, so let me, let me give you some insight to what she's feeling. Number one, she's falling three times. Mm-hmm. Number two, she has pain issues, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like sort of breaking down for a daughter. What are some of the things that are causing the conflict in the delivery of the care? Right. Where both of them have the strong want to have the strong hold in yes. the conversation and both thinking the um, the point of view that's taken is due to the past experience right. and I'm like no you know and having be and I love that part of occupational therapy as being that middleman mm-hmm. who is not on either side 
I can become a clear, objective view of if or if this is to be successful, if she is to continue to be the caregiver, and if you are going to live in a state of peace or turmoil, turmoil, it has to be determined about uh, around what is reality now versus your past experiences. Mm-hmm. So having that, being at that vantage point, definitely helps to bring some harmony into the situation. Uh, I learned, learning to be an occupational therapist in school, look, we are schooled very well on yes. muscles, naming all the muscles, naming all the bones in the body, all the nerve interventions, what you know, and then we're having to predict what muscle is lost or what function in the body is no longer there, depending on what area of the brain had a stroke. Right. We're able to map those things and like we're having these ideas of how to do rehabilitation. I knew that, but mm-hmm. I was not prepared for me coming on the scene as an occupational therapist and knowing that this is not just about moving bodies and getting muscles uh, to respond and get strength and endurance and getting balance and coordination back. Part of the relationship of teaching a caregiver how to care for their loved one and giving uh, the patient or the care recipient the, the sensation or the hope that I can get better mm-hmm. has to be that it is more than that physical aspect. It is, I've got to tap into what is driving this whole situation. Right. Why is daughter so upset? Why is mom so resistant to daughter telling her something that is going to help her? Right, right. You know, and so all of those things tie in together. And when they don't, people shut down. And it Mm -hmm. goes to that procrastination thing you just said uh, is you don't move forward into improving your functional status Mm -hmm. or improving that caregiving story, uh, improving that bond that connection that needs to take place right because you're stuck in some things of the past and that is one part of why things are not moving away from the same merry-go-round of mom isn't doing this daughter isn't doing this and Mm -hmm. uh they hate me or (laughs) they don't let me do anything you know those things that i hear when I'm doing my initial assessment is why do you need me here? Let me tell you what I do. Great question. Why do you need me here? What are the goals that I need to address? And then while they're talking and it's the same goal. Mom Mm -hmm. needs to be able to go to the bathroom on her own. Mm -hmm. Daughter thinks mom is just lazy. Yes. (laughs) I I thought that with my mom. And then mom just feels I don't want to ask her because she's going to fuss. Mm-hmm. Or I don't want to be a fuss. Everything that I do. And then there's this struggle that's really affecting something that can be easily resolved. Right. And it goes way beyond what the physical motor skills that are missing to this becomes a more, uh, you see the components of how the emotions yes. have stopped this from progressing to where we can figure out what this problem is together so we can solve it instead of constantly hashing it out as to why the quality skills aren't improving. You know, it's, I love the way you put it that way, because 
another part of this is once you realize, and it, it takes a while to actually realize I'm procrastinating on something, but that caregiver may step in and think, I don't want to deal with this emotion, so I'm just going to do it for them, which also yep. impedes their improvements and yes. doing it for them. We don't, then this relationship between them, then, then it's like, who's procrastinating now? Is my loved one going to stop trying because it's easier to say, well, I'm just going to let her do it for me. Yes. Some of it being procrastination. They know things need to change, mm -hmm. but you're not doing anything to change it. So that's the global thing that I'm going to just say. Right. Now, sort of look at it a little bit individually in that. In what moves the needle away from procrastination is learning. Yes. Learning. Yes. Finding out, you know, you can sit and say, mom had a stroke and she really doesn't blah, 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 or whatever this thing you need her to be more independent at, but it takes more than that. It is becoming educated in what are mom's true abilities. Absolutely. And learning what's a typical deficit related to her type of stroke. Mm -hmm. and when you're seeing her do things that maybe you think she's just not wanting to do things, uh, you have to realize with some aspects of some strokes, you lose that ability to initiate tasks, mm -hmm. to remember uh, what things are positioned in space in certain fields, visual fields in your environment where you can say mom doesn't even want to get her water and it's right there. Right. You say, well, she can see fine, but oftentimes in a, uh, with a stroke, I'm just going to, I'm using that, that right, diagnosis, right. is that there may be a visual field cut in that area where she really just can't so see some of the things that you think she should be able to just reach on the table and grab that, but she's waiting on me to get it. And that may not be the case all the time. Um, sometimes it is, but sometimes right. it takes a learning of what are the true deficits that are presenting with the, with the, um, the individual so that you can better understand and better know or have an expectation of what they are able to do for themselves. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take you into that spiral of you're doing too much which has of all of these other negative things associated of with overwork because you're not, you're, you're procrastinating and not changing your situation because you are not taking steps away from constantly identifying the problem. You can identify the problem all day long. Mm -hmm. Mama, won't do, I have to do, blah. you know, you can make this whole list. We have a whole laundry list of stuff that we can perceive as problems during the day. But if that becomes your only focus, it's just to come very proficient in naming the problems that you see yes. and don't move beyond that to the to identifying why do we have this problem and then moving toward what are some reasonable goals at eliminating or reducing the tendency to have this problem reoccur. If you don't do that, you're, you, you're, you are not going to change your caregiving situation. In Absolutely. fact, it's going to be compounded mm -hmm. because guess what? Over time, 
things regress. <laughs> you yes. know, what's starting as a little problem, you're giving them a little help and you're, you're seeing a, you know, um, very little improvement. Yes. Well, guess what? It's going to be a bigger problem. And we have great, we have ways in the therapy world of grading how much help you give by labeling it to dependent, maximum, odd men, contact, you know, so we have all of these little tags we can put. And our goal is forever assessing where a patient is and where a caregiver's skill level is. And we're moving them toward the maximum of what we can expect for them to be able to do. Mm -hmm. So if you, Jessica, is this causing you maximum effort to move mom from bed to wheelchair? Well, I want to see, I'm like, I'm looking at your strength level. I'm looking at mom and I'm mm -hmm. like, looking at the chair, looking at the environment. And my goal, I'm like, as a therapist, I can get this when Jessica is doing 25% and not 75% of the effort. Yes. And those are my goals, but I can't get you there if you're not willing right. to move be beyond identifying I'm doing 75% of the work. Okay, I can I can totally see someone avoiding or procrastinating having their loved one get up to go to the bathroom because in their mind it's I can't lift them or I don't want to have to lift them or yeah. it hurts when I do this so I'm just not going to do this. That's not yeah. helpful for their loved one. Yes. You know, it, that word procrastination um it can be like you said it early, and I was listening because I'm hearing that for the first time. I'm like, I like how she said that. Uh, in the motivation behind the procrastination. Right, right. Why are we, what's holding us back? And yes. if, and you said it, that knowledge, because when I stepped into mom's world, a lot of times it was, I don't have the time for this because I didn't want to make the time. It was something that was very upsetting. Um, honestly, the majority of the stuff at first, I didn't have the skill set. So I didn't understand it. Everything I was seeing was mom's lazy. She just doesn't want to do this. If she knows I'll do it for her, she doesn't have to. And I was always so frustrated and angry. And so I put things off as long as I could before I had to actually engage with her because I knew it was going to be an argument. It was going to be me having to do everything for her. And I blew it up in my mind so much more than it really was when I finally started to pay attention and observe. Yes. That's you know, the big I, thing. I, yes. You know, I had written in my notes, self-awareness. Yes. Being aware of what you truly need is one of those things that lead to procrastination. It's not like I'm choosing, like I'm just choosing that I don't want to deal with this right now. Right. I don't, I don't believe a lot of caregivers, I don't believe, I don't believe a lot of caregivers are doing that. Intentionally, right. Intentionally, correct. I don't think they're doing, I don't think a lot of caregivers are doing that intentionally. I believe yeah, they get so bogged down mm -hmm. in the cares of just needing to get it done. Yes. That they don't even be are aware of the magnitude of the stress mm -hmm. that they're and the load that they're carrying until it is almost too late. And then you got all these physical things that are starting to happen. Right. Uh, the bitterness. Um, and it is procrastination, but it makes me, as a care, as a therapist going in, having them to really identify it, what is it that they need to see happen? 
mm-hmm. and making them identify as the caregiver, what are the things that are real issues to you physically? Right. Physically. Because if my goal is if I keep you healthy, I reduce your workload, I reduce the stress that you're experiencing, mm-hmm. you're going to hang around a little bit longer. You're going to be able to provide the care a little bit longer because right. you're not going to be physically, you're not going to have issues yourself that are going to impact your ability to deliver the care. And that's where it switches in. So when we're not self, we don't have that self-awareness and we don't realize that a lot of the areas that we could be doing better in are mainly because we're lacking, there's a fear-based idea, there's a lack of skill or something that's causing us to procrastinate. Then eventually, this stuff manifests in our bodies and they then we it. start getting sick. We start getting to be where we can't physically move and do things for our loved ones. And so then now the caregiver, the switches, well, how am I going to take care of my loved one if I have procrastinated to the point that I've let my own health go down? Yes. So, so true. And I, I, I see it very often till where the caregiver is so removed from what their physical body needs because they're so in tune to doing all of the things that come in the course of the day. Right. Till they have physical issues that manifesting or presenting itself to you even questioning, do I even want to do this anymore? Right. You know, yes. do I even love her? Do I even want, do I, I don't even <laughs> care. I don't even, you know, you get, right. to, this, they get to this point that they, they get this attitude of that. I don't even care anymore. Yeah. Which is, and then the guilt, and then yeah. all of that circles back around when that really isn't the, that really isn't the problem. You do care. Yes. You wouldn't show up and complain about it every day if you really didn't really care. You care, you love them, you're just struggling, you've hit a, a speed bump on your caregiver journey that if you just said, and that's where it took me a while to understand that. When I'm saying I don't have the time for this, I'm really saying this hurts or yes. I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know what to do and I'm afraid to ask for mm-hmm. help. And oh, so that's, yes. a, that's a big one. <laughs> Yes. I know I can ask now because now yes. I I know it's better for me to ask than to hold it and try and do something that if I just asked a question or I asked someone to help me, it could have gotten done that much faster or better, or I could have learned a new skill in the process. Mm-hmm. I get that. But it takes so much of this. And it's like that straw that breaks the camel's back that the caregivers mm-hmm. go through. And I'm sure you see this every just about every situation you walk into, but there's a level of that at some point. And it's hard to say, you need this or you need that. And then have them receive that in a positive way and not be like, I'm just trying to do the best I can. Let's not get too defensive, (laughs) but that's what I did. Yes. Oh, definitely. Look, I, I did it as a daughter. Yes, exactly. And I did it professionally when I, I go in there with just blinders on, just looking at it from one direction and thinking, oh, you just need this piece of equipment and then this is going to be okay. Oh, right. Uh, no, it's, it's a lot deeper than that. Mm-hmm. 
for sure, for sure. So when our caregivers are losing sight of their their roles and what they're needing to do and they reach that point of, I just don't want to do this anymore. That's mm-hmm. when I see you recognize there's a mm-hmm. breaky, uh, unstable foundation that they're mm-hmm. on. And so how do you get to that point of helping them set boundaries so that they can reinforce their foundations? You know, I'll I'll go back to the learning. What I emphasize and what I try to do is be that sort of catalyst for learning while I'm there, just Mm -hmm. sort of giving them uh, the surface learning of what you're seeing. And I'm trying to identify some skills that they have as a caregiver Mm -hmm. and trying to really build them up at the same time, because I am often entering a situation where the caregiver often feels defeated already. Yeah. And they're struggling and the, this situation that's happening between them and their loved one is not a, a positive thing. And so they're already on the defensive. And I'm not, I'm, I'm, I am surely not going to go in and say, oh, you've been doing this wrong. (laughs) Although I'm seeing some, I'm seeing some areas of concern of of why I think things are like a little rocky here, but I'm, I'm, I'm being very careful to identify and point out the positive things that I'm seeing Mm -hmm. while I'm educating them on, this is what you're seeing. And you're telling me what mom is doing. You're right. You're right. She is. But let me sort of tell you the reason why I think this might be, mm-hmm. but I am, I'm going to explore this a little bit deeper. And I am going to say, I do see a little bit of this as well. Yes. You are saying there is some lack of motivation here. I said, yes. I said, but let's see if we can change that. Right. And trying to key in on getting them to want the situation to get better. Mm-hmm. Some of the caregivers are like, look, they don't even care. They don't care. I, I'm, I'm done. I don't care. Just whatever she wants to do, I'm just going to do it for her. But just say, no, no. What do you want? And what do you, so in just getting them to all take ownership of what is their desires, learning more about the diagnosis mm-hmm. and then watching me and learning at, uh, from a, a different angle. What is it that your parents or your, your loved one can do? And I'm pointing out the skills. I'm like, oh, look, she's really good at this on this side. So look, I think if we set up the environment where we can put a little bit more of the situation, we can change the environment, um, maybe we can get a a better response from her. Mm -hmm. So I'm educating them on the diagnosis. I'm telling them about their skills. I'm like, look, you've got some skills. You're doing things that you, you should be proud of. But let me show you how to use your skills and couple them with the strengths I'm going to identify with mom. And now let's talk about the environment. You're struggling so much because your environment is not conducive mm-hmm. yeah. to her skill set and your comfort level. And I think we can bring all of these things together so that we can have consistent, better outcomes to whatever you're doing, whether it's getting her in and out of bed, into the tub, onto the a tub seat, on the toilet, the dressing, the mm-hmm. anything that you're doing, it all takes you knowing what is what is her skill level, right. is the environment right, and then knowing from that awareness of what are my issues in my body as a caregiver, 
that prevent me from helping because I've got to take into consideration there and I can look at the care, the care recipient and say, when your daughter is refusing to do this five times a day, mm -hmm. because she has a medical issue in this area that is aggravated when you insist that she gets you out of bed five times a day. So what we're going to do is we're going to build up your city endurance and I'm going to give you things, you know, and I'm, 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 I am sort of all moms as, as much as they are, can be really bears. They love right. their, their cubs and they do care deep yeah. inside. So when I know how to tap into that emotional, why daughter is saying no and why we need to come up with another way and daughters watching the whole process so when you say, how do I get them moving forward is these steps that I'm outlining, you know, making them educate them. Yes. They've, got to, they've got to do some of it themselves, you know, and them learning what the, the loved one's limitations are. They're looking at the environment. They're looking at their physical capabilities. And I'm trying to bring all of that together Perfect. to improve the outcomes of all of these different areas that they're identifying for me as being problem areas. And a lot of these things overlap. So once I'm doing strengthening mm -hmm. and I'm doing exercise programs and I'm telling them you need to be doing these a day and daughter, you need to take breaks and, yes. and <laughs> patient, you are, your goal is to stay in the wheelchair for three hours or two hours. Mm -hmm. That is adequate. That allows your daughter time to do other things. So that you know what, when you do get in the bed later and y'all can do things later, she has time to do these other little fun things or things that you want her to do because she yes. has time to relax, refresh, regroup and reset. And See, that's, so, does that make sense? It what does. It makes a, it, I love the way you put it that way because a lot of times we get so focused on the, they can't, they won't, I can't, I just, I don't want to. And we get focused on that negative side of it that we stop looking for solutions. Mm -hmm. Like that's we can, it. we can point out, easily point out the problem. Like you said, mm -hmm. she won't this, they won't that, he might not this, he's fighting me on that. She's, mm -hmm. we can point out the problems. But we get so hung up on that problem that we don't realize it's stopping us from moving forward with a positive solution. You know, and I just have had, I, I, I've got a, I've crafted my speech on, okay, you told me that. Mm -hmm. I hear the problem. What would you like to see as the best case uh, outcome for this? You tell me what you want to improve. Right. And sometimes they're very reasonable. Well, I and just want her to help a little bit. Da, 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 da. I'm like, that's great. I said, but you know what? I think I can get it a little bit further. I can get it where she can get out of bed. I, well, let me rephrase that. I can teach her the skills. Right. That if things work according to plan, mm -hmm. I can see that she can get out into the wheelchair by herself with you just standing there watching. Yes. Would you like, would you like that? And they're like, yes. I'm like, now we'll work on it. But that is going to also depend on what she puts into it that that I can predict that whether we can achieve this goal or not. So now your caregiver has some hope and mm -hmm. ironically they have the answers to their own questions but it yeah. took you presenting it and helping them find that get that reach that moment of self-awareness 
mm-hmm. so that they can yeah. find they can see it and mm-hmm. instead of just kind of this thought that's bouncing around now it's yes. out there they've said it they can see it and there's hope to actually achieve it yes and then the procrastination is not as big a deal we've sort of gotten off of that loop you know right I'm, I'm i'm new to instagram and all of that but they have this feature about this loop you just goes on and on and you've seen this one video nine million times you know <laughs> that's what happens you get so focused on yes. what the pain point is mm-hmm. what is causing you pain what is feeding into something that happened in the past and that just becomes so it really is energizing. You get energy from that. You're yes, thinking about that and absolutely. you're holding on to that and you're getting power from that. Yep. Till you, it's not like you deliberately procrastinated about doing something. You just didn't have any more space in the loop yes. of the wheel to allow for exactly. the opportunity to. You, you just haven't allowed yourself space on the wheel. Yes. To even see that I can stop this. Mm -hmm. Just every day complaining about the same things every day. And that's where I have learned and why I want others to learn that the things that we focus on, we manifest more of. It sounds so simple because in the moment you're like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Oh, that doesn't work. That doesn't happen. But if you're always on the negative mindset, then that's, you don't realize you're bringing that loop, that negative loop over and over and over again until it breaks. And then suddenly you've got a positive reason to get up out of bed. When that alarm clock goes off, you're like, I'm ready for the day. I know what I can do. I know how to do this. And then it's like, okay, we're going to do this. As opposed to, oh, another day I've got to do this. You know, it's a game changer for our caregivers. You know, I, I promote self-care. Yes. But only after you make room for it. You can post all day long Mm -hmm. and preach all day long self-care. Yeah. But you cannot put self-care in the middle of chaos. No. Mm -mm. It's like you need to compress what you're doing, Mm -hmm. take out some things that don't need to be done, and really all of the learning, the teaching, the training, making you safer, at what you do and more efficient what you're doing the improper way without the proper equipment in their improper environment Mm -hmm. presented to a person who really can't do it anyway and it's taking you two hours to get a task done right i'm like why you know if you can hone in on changing the whole approach and get that two-hour task down to 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And now you minutes. have time for yourself on some yes, sort well, of That's self-care. an hour and a half right there yep. that you can put in the bank. Exactly. And then you go to the next task that you used to complain about an hour. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, over the time, I can't gain a lot in the eval, but I gain over time as I'm looking right. at things and I'm getting a clear picture and they let the guards down about oh, yeah. Things. You know, we're over the honeymoon and hiding places. I've been coming three or four visits and they're like, come on in, the door's unlocked, you know, and I'm starting, I'm starting to see the real stuff. I'm like, hmm. you didn't tell me. He said, well, I didn't think that was a problem. I'm like, that's a big problem. That's a big problem. You should All not the details be- matter. 
You should be two hours helping her in the bath. No. Yeah. And you're doing it how often? You know, I'm like, no. And how you have to break these things down and yes. make them and concise things and come up with, and just give them suggestions. Everything's a suggestion to, from me. Why don't you consider this? Exactly. Consider this? And now once we start getting things better and I'm, I'm arriving there like, oh, wow, guess what? Mom put her own shirt on today. She did all the top half and she knew not to try to get out of the wheelchair and do the bottom half and all the other stuff until I got there. But guess what? She was all through. She did everything in the bed. She brushed her teeth and she just did whatever. And by the time I got there, I just had to do this. And before you know it, we were nice. like in the chair. She was in the kitchen. I'm like, oh, celebration. And they're like, yay. You know, and then as we started to do that, I go back and revisit some of my initial questions. And this is more so what I'm giving you now is more so of some of the things I do in a consultant right. service. Whereas and I want to distinguish, I still do two things. I'm a home health therapist. Mm -hmm. I had six patients today. <laughs> wow. And I am a consultant where I still get to go into the homes virtually and I get to see environments and I mm -hmm. get to coach them virtually nice. on what I see. And in my, what I'm giving you are some scenarios from my in-person in the actual home settings right. that I uh, can get really up and personal with them in their own personal space. I, I often would, I can even go back in, in both arenas and say, okay, I see you're decompressed quite a bit, mm -hmm. or I'm hoping that's the case because, you know, I'm seeing the whole continents change and they're even interacting right. a little bit better together and the guards are down. And then I can sit and say, okay, daughter, See, we, we've really figured out some quick and easy ways of doing this. Mm -hmm. And where you were now once putting off doing certain things for yourself. Mm -hmm. I need you to start thinking about you. Yes. And, you know, and they're already like, you know, I've already been thinking about that. Good. I was already doing this. You know what? The other day I got a chance to sit down and watch TV and mom didn't even call or I had a friend come over. Or I was yes. on the phone with a friend and awesome. Those I'm doing this for myself. Yes. And those are the things that feed the soul. That's those yes. are the things that make caregiving seem less of a chore and more of a giving of love instead of, yes. and even when it's your parents or a spouse, you know, it can get to the point where it's a chore. If you lose sight of that. It's, it's work. I don't care who it is. I know. <laughs> exactly. So with all this oh. work that you're able to accomplish, I, I can totally see why you have called your company Finding a Foothold. Because this yes. really means yes. you're helping them find a foothold yes. in their life. That is right. Find being a foothold. And I, I, I toyed with your foothold instead, instead of A. But rolling off the tongue, the A was a little bit easier to say, finding a foothold. Mm -hmm. But the whole premise in launching into the virtual space is that I yeah. saw a need. Yes, absolutely. And I wanted to emphasize that your caregiving journey is unique to you. Yes. 
unique to unique to the fact that every experience of your life comes into that situation. Right. Every experience of their life enters that situation. And there needs to be a deliberate plan of action mm-hmm. that allows those two life stories, life histories to properly mesh together. Otherwise, you're going to have conflict and, mm-hmm. and, and chaos. Right. And it's not a sudden thing. It's not like, oh, I'm coming here with my life. She had her life and it's just going to it is not going to be it's going to be like fist fighting it's going to be bumping heads yep and it's going to be taking those past histories and and really you're going to have to sort of sort through them and deal with them Mm -hmm. or just or and that may mean bringing some outside support help talking through some things right but one thing that is clear is that you need support absolutely and you need you need that support of someone that can come in and help you see the components to your to this journey that are tripping you up that have you back on that same loop around the mountain and you keep falling down instead of finding a foothold toward success toward moving above where you're at that point of just rehearsing and mm-hmm. restating the problem exactly. to moving toward um, better outcomes. So you you have in just preparing for this, seeing how that word procrastination feeds into this, mm-hmm. it is definitely a part of it. Not a not all of it is is conscious. Right. Right. Some of it is subconsciously. Uh, procrastinating mm-hmm. of, about it uh, because of the experiences that you have and others are just not wanting to deal with it in part that you don't even think there's a solution to this. Yeah, You don't even think there's a way out of this. So why try? Exactly. I'm just going to continue. It's not going to get any better when in fact it does. It does um, and it can. Can I add one last point? You made, you said something, it brought something to mind. I got to see if I can conjure it back up. There is a point when you have to say, when is it in time for me to shift gears in the delivery of the care? Right. I'm not a proponent of saying caregiving is only done one way. And that is, you have to do it directly, hands on. Mm -hmm. You're the that's doing it yes because oftentimes when there is conflict that is happening that is beyond repair there was abuse in the past Mm -hmm. and that abuse is filtering into this situation right now yes and you're enduring it and it's hard and it is really like it's not getting the better it's it's just tearing apart that person who's trying or feel like, or they feel like they have to, or they're afraid to say no right, to the caregiving. I want to share that there's also a procrastination in escaping that environment. Absolutely. 
in identifying that this is not going to get better. Mm -hmm. I hear what uh, they heard, what you and I have just said. And they're like, this isn't the story that I lived. They're, they're not nice. They're not, they're not doing this because they don't want their, let me rephrase that. They are not refusing because they can't. They're just refusing because they're not, they're not going to do anything. They don't want to get any better. They want to make your life miserable by keeping you there doing tasks that number one, they should be doing. Right. Right. Or the level of care is such that it takes four people to do it. It takes four disciplines. It takes a nurse, a doctor, a dietitian, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a wound care specialist, and somebody else, you know. A hospice or somebody. Yes. And you're trying to do all of that as one person. Exactly. And you're going to bed and you're getting up in that same loop. Right. And that's where procrastination is more of you, your internal struggle to provide self-compassion to say, I don't want to do this. Instead of like I was saying, I don't have the time for this, but actually being honest with yourself and saying, I don't want to do this and, or I can't do this anymore because of, and recognizing I'm not just procrastinating, but I'm, I'm finally becoming clear and accepting it's time to pass the torch and maybe it's no longer my caregiving journey. It becomes the assisted living situation or something to that. But event. you're still the caregiver and you're, you've, you have that awareness that, okay, let's say you have the awareness of what you just said. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to do this. I've got other things I want to be doing. Right. Nothing's wrong with that. Nothing's wrong with that. And I can't do it. This is beyond the scope of my expertise and what I can physically do mentally and physically, right. nothing wrong with that. But then another level of, okay, if you go through that and you're saying, okay, I, I'm, I'm aware, I'm not procrastinating and knowing that I need to, I can't do this. But then the next level of procrastinating, you don't do anything about it. Yeah. You don't make the, the calls. Right. You procrastinate about making the calls, taking the steps to mm-hmm. say, I'm moving on to the next level of care. Right. Not that I no longer care about this individual. It's just that this is not a healthy environment anymore. Right, right. Not healthy from the standpoint of this is too strenuous. The level of care, the level of turning, the level of getting up in the middle of the night, all of the things that are physically depleting you, it's not working anymore. Right. And you need to really relinquish that to a different support system, rather that be bringing in in-home care. Mm-hmm. Like or, yourself. Yes. <laughs> or some on a more of a permanent basis that can provide a 24-hour care yes. or these long periods of respite. So they're providing the care directly. You're right. just over being the care. Yes. Exactly. And then also, when is it time to transition to long-term care? Yes. And those are very important times to be aware of and have the some sort of a checklist, a mental checklist at the very least, 
so that you have a gauge. This is okay when I reach this point. And that's where those setting boundaries that you spoke of. Yes. In. Yes. Yes. So this is such wonderful information. I'm so glad you were able to share this information with me. How can our listeners find you so they can begin benefiting from your services? Oh, yes. I would like to share my uh, website. Definitely. Findingafoothold.com. I want to say start there. Okay. That's where you can get a wealth of information that will give you the information to my um, number one, my social media platforms. Mm -hmm. I'll say them now, uh, finding a foothold on Instagram, mm -hmm. finding a foothold on Facebook. Nice. So those are currently the two locations that I'm at. Hey, look, and I want to also add that I do have a podcast. Nice. Yes, you do. Yeah. Thank you. For and I would like that. to share a little bit about the podcast. Please um, do. In my endeavor to make caregiving easier to anyone, because mm -hmm. oftentimes I see that it often takes just one simple answer to a question that can make the difference in whether uh, a loved one can remain in the home safe mm -hmm. or whether someone chooses to have to be moved outside of the home into long-term care placement because number one of repeated falls or just right. anything of that nature. Uh, just one question. And with that, I launched the Finding a Foothold podcast. That's awesome. And what it is, and you can find the information on the podcast on the website, the same website, findingafoothold.com. And what the website does, it, what the podcast does is gives you the opportunity to call in and leave a voice message asking me a problem, asking me about a situation, you know, telling me about a, telling me about a struggle that you are facing and I can give you input and some recommendations on how to decrease those areas of concern. That's excellent. Mom's can't, mom can't get out of bed without me pulling her up. You know, just any of those things. Right. Sometimes it just takes me saying, oh, you need to get one of those and try this. And it changes the whole, yes. the whole climate because mom's not falling out of the bed or sliding on the floor every morning when she's getting up to go to the bathroom. Yeah. You know, yep. so something like that, when you have a simple question, you just want an answer. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just, I'll give you enough information just to steer you in the right direction. And you can get that information by calling the podcast. When you leave your message on the podcast line, I'll hear them. And on the upcoming podcast, I will go through all of the calls that I can, and I will give you the answers to those questions on the podcast. So what number can we call you at? Uh, and the number is located on the website. And look, I'll give you the number now, and it is 225-443-9447. And to make it even simpler, when you go to the website, there's a call-in button press on the website. So when you click on that button, the number will come up, and then uh, you can have the number, or you can even dial the number from your computer if you have it set up to do that way. And yes. I get the voicemail, and I listen to the calls, and I present some, some possible solutions to that problem on a subsequent uh, podcast show. That's awesome. So, yes. So I wanted to share that bit of information with you. So yeah, check me out uh, on the, I, I'd love to hear from any callers that can call in. 
and want to have help with those problems and to follow me on those social media platforms. Absolutely. Please do because this caregiving journey is, it can go in all different sorts of directions and we can have points where we can keep moving forward in a positive direction. But to be honest, it's not always positive. No matter what, life happens and it gets to the point where we have to break all these big steps down to smaller intervals and maybe sometimes stop and take that breath and just say, okay, I need reinforcements. And that's mm-hmm. when they can reach out to Consuela. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Well, thank you, thank you for coming on with me today, Consuela, because this is great. I just, I wanted caregivers to hear this in a different way and maybe start that thought process of, hmm, maybe I'm doing that. Maybe that's what's happening. Maybe this is, maybe I need to, and just get that thought process going. Yes, exactly. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Definitely. So thank you for joining in with us today, ladies and gentlemen. I hope this information gave you a lot more food for thought. And until next time, be proactive. Take care, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode. To learn more about proactive caregiving and to hear other episodes of this podcast, please visit www.jessicalizelcannon.com. This podcast is produced by Canon Light Media, LLC, www.canonlightmedia.com. Music provided by Chris Paradise. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.